We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Good morning, Faith Temple. I thank God for the opportunity to be here this morning on this Mother's Day 2021. I was overwhelmed by the praise and worship this morning that dedicated all of the songs to our mothers because we realize, in my opinion anyway, that uh, mothers are God's greatest proof of unconditional love on this side of heaven. And so I thank God for the opportunity to honor our mothers today. The sermon that we're going to talk about today, I did not frame it with mothers in mind, but when I was listening to the songs that we were that we had during praise and worship this morning, it occurred to me that it is our responsibility and it is our honor and we should strive to let our light shine so that God can get the glory, but so that the work of our Christian moms and, and our dads too, but today we're focusing on our moms the sacrifices that they made can come into realization. We owe, we owe God, we owe our moms. And so the title of the sermon today is Ain't Nobody Stopping My Shine, Not Even Me. And our foundation scripture is Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And so when we come back, we are going to get into the word of the Lord. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Um, thank you for who you are to me and what you've done to everyone. I'm going to be reading the scriptures for today. I'm going to be reading two versions of the scripture. The scripture is coming from Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And I'll be reading the easy to read version and the New King James Version. The easy to read version reads, You are the light that shines for the world to see. You are like a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord. And the New King James Version reads, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his word. Thank you. Amen. We thank God for the reading of the scripture this morning. And we thank God for the topic that is before us this morning. Ain't nobody stopping my shine, not even me. And if you are a friend of to mine on social media or if you follow me on social media, then you already know that I went on a rant this week about hypocrites. Um, something that I saw triggered me, and I wasn't angry, but I was determined uh, to tell the truth about the situation. So to sum up my rant, I basically talked about delivered people, quote, unquote, who can no longer stand to look at those who are currently in the state 
from which they were delivered. And it struck me as odd that people who were delivered from a certain thing, you name it, you insert it, whether it's spiritual or physical, somehow now have positioned themselves to think that they are better, are somehow different than the people who are struggling with those things, those behaviors that they used to struggle with. And as I let my thoughts wonder, it led me to an evaluation of the church, the modern day church. Those of us who are sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, the ones who have come into full recognition that Jesus came to shed his life, to give his life so that we could have a relationship with him and with the father. Those of us who are filled with the Holy spirit as a guarantee that we will spend all of eternity in peace with our Lord and Savior. Those, the ones who prefer, this is how the modern day church is. It seems like we prefer to congregate amongst ourselves than to get our hands dirty with sinners, the very people that we used to be. And in fact, the ones that we were when the Bible says, Jesus decided to give his life. He decided to give his life when we were sinners and when we were enemies and when we were sick and when we had the worst case of the can't help it. It is when we were in that condition that he decided that he would give his life, that he would intervene in our history so that our eternity could be different. These who God gave his son, his only begotten son, because of his love for us. It is us who now don't want to get our hands dirty with sinners, the ones who were like us. And I thought about the church even more and how we have positioned ourselves to judge those. We actually put ourselves in the position where we hold the world more accountable than we do the church. We expect of sinners what only the Holy Spirit can do. That is the position that the modern day church has taken. We judge the prostitutes and we judge those who are having abortions and we judge those who are having sex without benefit of marriage. We judge the the homosexuals and we judge the transgendered, and we judge everybody's behavior expecting that they should do something that only the Holy Spirit empowers people to do. And it struck me as strange. It struck me as strange that those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit get a quicker pass than those who are not. It struck me as strange that we expect people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit to live lives as though they were, while at the same time never challenging ourselves to be higher and better and greater and bigger or whatever the terms are. It struck me as strange, and it also struck me that it's fundamentally different than what Jesus did and how he handled sinners and how he handled 
handled the saved folks of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees. It he turned tables over for the saved folks, not the sinners, because as I thought about that, he he should have. Just as we should have. If you have the knowledge and the power of God and you are not doing what you are supposed to do, that's when you flip over a table. That's when you say, woe unto you. That's when you say, shame on you. How can you? Jesus showed us something very different than what we are doing today. He showed us an embrace of the sinner, not the sin, but of the sinner. He never changed the standard while loving on the sinner. He healed those who needed to be healed. He fed them, not just fed them. He sat down and he ate with them. He called the, the tax preparers and the evil people of the day to be a part of his group. He took time with them. He sat with them. He was so with them so much that people were calling him a glutton and a wine bibber. He did everything where there was need for a solution. He provided the solution, but somewhere along the way, the church put themselves or ourselves in the position of judge and jury. We started telling unsaved folks that you ought to be living right, and if you don't, you are going to hell. Judge and jury. We forgot our role, and it struck me as strange that we are happy, it seems, to point out the sins of others while doing very little to help them out of that place. And while we are talking this morning, I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you intentionally brought somebody to Christ? You intentionally planted a seed. You intentionally watered a seed that had already been planted because for surely God cannot give an increase where there is no seed and there is no water. And so I thought about this conundrum. I thought about this place where we have put ourselves. And as I was thinking about the church this week, and as I was thinking about how we handle sinners and how it is so very different than the model that Jesus left behind, I reflected on a story that I read one time by Max uh, Licato, and it was really a parable about candles and he was really talking about us he was talking about the body of christ and he started out this story saying that there was a big blackout one night and all the lights had went went out and he went fumbling around his house and he found the closet where he kept the candles and he had specifically stopped the closet for nights like this and he went and he went and looked in the closet and he found four candles and he lit them. And all of a sudden in this parable, the candles started talking to him. And the candles were saying things like this, like, don't take me out of this room. And he said, he asked him, what do you mean don't take you out of the room? This is your job. You're a candle. It's your job. 
to give light. It's dark out there. Why shouldn't I take you out of the closet? And the candle answered and back and said something like, I need more preparation. And he said he was standing there in bewilderment. He could not believe his ears that a candle, the thing it was designed for, when it was time to shine, was saying, I need more preparation. I've got to search this job and research this job. And I don't want to go out and start giving light and making a bunch of mistakes. And you'll be surprised how distorted the glow of an untrained candle can be. And Max, in his parable, talks about how puzzled he was. And, and he said to them, then, you're not the only candle on the shelf. I'll blow you out and I'll take the others. And then right away, the other candle starts saying, we're not going either. And he said, he turned to the candles and he said, but it's your job to light up dark places. And, and one of the candles said, well, that might be what you think, but <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm meditating on the importance of light. I'm, I'm learning about how important I am, and it's really enlightening me. It's illuminating me how amazing candles are. And he said he turned to the last two, and he asked them, well, what about you? And one of them said, I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. And the other one said, hey, I'm just here to sing. I have a gift of singing. And of all the songs the candle could have picked out, they picked out this little light of mine. I'm going to stay here with the rest of the candles, and I'm going to Sing about this light that I have, but I'm 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 going to encourage the other candles to burn more brightly. And so here in this parable, we see the problem with the church. We are all sequestered together in the closet with the capability of lighting up a dark world, but rather instead we have chosen to criticize the dark world. And some of us even go so far to say, um, well, the word of God said that each generation would get wickeder and they would get wiser. And I have never read that in the Bible. I'm not saying that it is not there, but I have not read that stated like that. There are scriptures in the Bible that says generations will become lovers of themselves, but this stuff is not new to me. And so we say these things as if we are resigned to live in the dark world as we, if we are designed to accept whatever comes, we declare these kinds of things and we sit back and we act as though we are doomed, just like we have to accept the outcomes. But I'll say to you, and I, I want you to think about this in your mind, rather than thinking that you are doomed because the world is becoming a more darker place. And I'm not arguing that it's not becoming a darker place. I'm saying that there is opportunity for the candles that, not are, that are not afraid to shine. There is opportunity. I want you to paint a picture in your mind if it's a gloomy day or if it is a day where it's right before dusk, if you walk into your house and you are looking for something, you may have to use a 100-watt light bulb to find what you are looking for. 
But I submit to you that if it is midnight and the lampposts outside are out, that sometimes a nightlight will do, or even a match, depending upon what you are looking for. And so if indeed the world is getting darker, that means whatever state you are in, whether you are a match because you just came to the Lord, or whether you are a hundred watt light bulb because you have been walking with him a long time, I submit to you today that today is your time to shine. And some of us are cowering back in insecurities. We are cowering back just like the candles in the, in the parable saying that we're not prepared or I have to get my life together or I got to read more or meditate more or I'm just going to use my gifts in the church. Some of us are cowering back with excuses while at the same time claiming that the, wor the world is getting darker. And I say to you that we have to look at things differently. We have to look at Matthew 5 and examine what it is that God is really telling us in verses 14 and 16, which were read for your hearing today. The Bible starts out in verse 14 saying, you are the light of the world. You are the light that shines for the world to see. And I, I find this interesting because as I think about the parables and the candles that wanted to get more prepared, the Bible didn't say you need to become the light of the world. He said you are the light of the world. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became the light of the world. The Bible says the same spirit that lives on the inside of you, that's the one that raised Jesus from the dead, the same one. It's not a different one. It's the same one, and it lives on the inside of you. So the first thing to be in the light and to let your light shine is to take your eyes off of yourself and your imperfections and your failures and your flaws and to accept that you are the light of the world, not because of you, but because you accept Jesus Christ in your heart and where he is, there is light. That's the first thing you need to accept about you. And I find it interesting because when Jesus says to us that we are the light of the world, he is both complimenting us and he is reminding us of our responsibility. Because if, when you go into the word of God, John 8 and 12 and John 9 and 5, and I'm going to read them for your hearing, the only other person that he says is the light of the world is a claim that he made for himself when he was on this earth. In John 8 and 12, he says, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's you. That's me. If you follow him, if you have accepted him, you are not walking in darkness. That's what the word says. He says, but you have the light of life. That's John 8 and 12, if you are writing it down. And John 9 and 5, he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, 
I am the light of the world. I'm going to say it again. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said about himself. That's the title that he claimed for himself. And so I'm saying to you this morning that even though he is not physically here anymore, even though his physical ministry in earth ended over 2,000 years ago, he lived on the inside of every believer. And he has said, while I am here, I am the light. So if he lives on the inside of you, he is trying his best to shine, to light up the world in a way that will bring God glory. That's the end of it, to bring God glory. But some of us, because we are so focused on ourselves, we stay stuck with the body. I, I, I remember a while back the Lord giving me a sermon called Salt Stuck in a Salt Shaker. What good is salt? I know you've been at a restaurant and that, that little salt shaker was kind of damped over and you couldn't get the salt out. You were disgusted about that. You were wondering why the restaurant left the salt shaker on the table when they knew it was in that condition. And so I ask you to look at your own life this morning. Are you more comfortable around other believers or can you be at home with sinners without becoming like sinners? Can you be the light in the dark world? Because the scripture today declares that you are, but until you believe that you are, you will not shine to your fullest capacity. I don't care if you are a flicker. You can bring light to the darkest of situations. Or like I said a little earlier, I don't care if you're a 100-watt light bulb. Your job is to shine. And when you look at this scripture and you see when he says you are the light of the world, we can't just sit back and receive light from Jesus Christ. That's what we do when we pray all the time and we do nothing else, when we read the word all the time and we do nothing else, when we meditate on the word all the time, but we don't put it in practice. We are being only light receivers, but in order to be the light of the world, you also have to emit light. You have to give light. You have to have greater concerns for other people than you have for yourself. You have to shine. It is unnatural for a light bulb not to shine. It is unnatural for a candle to not want to shine. You were designed for that purpose. You have no other purpose but to shine. And when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, just let him live through you. It's not that hard. If you read about him and you know how he loved the sick, he said, I came for the sick. I came for the downtrodden. If you understand who he hung around without becoming around, just let him live. Through you, the world is indeed dark. And if you refuse to shine because you are filled with a focus on yourself or me and my three or my imperfections or I shouldn't have said or I shouldn't have done, then you cannot shine because you think that it's all about you. But it's not all about you. The Bible says that we have to shine. Who in their right mind puts a a, a, a light under a bed. The Bible says they put it on a light, on a lampstand. They don't put it under a basket. They don't hide it. 
They put it on the lampstand so that it can give light to everybody who is in the house, the word of God said. And so then it encourage you, encourages you again to let your light so shine. It didn't say make it shine. Just let it shine. Just let God shine through you. Stop with all the uh, walls and the, and the um, posturing up on people. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be soft. It's okay to be at peace. It's okay to be at ease. You don't have to fight every battle physically. You don't have to do that. You can sit back and let God fight your battles for you. It has to become more than a song and more than a slogan because if it is not, you are constantly going to be in fighting mode, constantly waiting to defend yourself, constantly offended. And when you are in that state, you cannot shine. But you have to. You have to think about in the middle of an emergency when your lights go out, how mad you would be or how upset or how disappointed or whatever emotion it is that you would be if you were like Max that day in the parable where you were depending on this light and it wouldn't shine. That's how God feels. It's dark outside and we won't shine. Rather than shining, we're describing the darkness and criticizing the darkness and some of us are even fearful of the darkness. But I want to say to you that that's a wrong focus. And again, I want to remind you that Jesus never told you to become light. He never challenged you with working it out to become light. He said that you are light. And so you are either fulfilling or you are failing at that responsibility. You don't have the decision of whether or not I am going to be light. You are light. Are you shining or are you not is the thing that you need to ask yourself. Light is needed in this world. We have no time to be afraid of the darkness. We have no time as members of the body of Christ to imitate the darkness. If we do those things, if we're fearful, or if we are imitating the darkness, there is nothing for the world to see because we are showing them nothing. We have to decide to be distinctively Christian. Otherwise, we would never be able to affect the world for Jesus like he did when he was here. And he declared that we would do greater things than him. And we have the capacity to do greater things than him, but we have to see ourselves that way. The world cannot get light, and I want you to accept that, whoever is listening to this message today. If you are a member of the body of Christ, if you have ever walked the aisle or raised your hand or prayed the prayer of repentance, I'm talking to you today. The world cannot get light except that it receives it through you except that it receives it through me. We have a great responsibility. And so we have to give out. We have to. How can you bottle up the light that is inside of you? You're supposed to shine. You were created to shine. You just have to get out of your own way 
and let it shine. You have to live above the opinions and the voices of men. You have to have an audience of one. You have to know what Jesus said about you, and you have to know what he requires of you. You have to, you have to shine. Your light has to be exposed. Because if you are not exposed, if you are afraid of the darkness, if you only hang around with other light, you can't even see distinct light when all it is is light around. If, if that is what you choose to do, then you are like the, lamp, the light that somebody put under a basket. You are no longer useful. And why would you try to dim your light? Why would you let the opinion of men dim your light? Why would you value what somebody else says about you more than what God says about you? God said he created you wonderfully and fearfully. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. So who else opinion matters more than that? You have to shine for him. You have to. You owe him. And if we go and we look in the scripture today and we read all of Matthew 5, we see that this scripture starts out talking about the Beatitudes. And some people say the Beatitudes uh, would describe how our attitudes are supposed to be. But in basic, basically, I'm going to sum it up by saying that is how we are supposed to be on a day-to-day basis. As we go in and out amongst people, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go to the grocery store and we have so many opportunities to shine and we don't have to do anything but show up show up authentically us show up we don't even have to worry about thinking about i need to shine we just need to show up and be us we need to show up and be who the person god created together by his own hands and sometimes because so many people have had so many opinions about us and because For so long, we have not been standing in the power of who we are. And I'm not talking about an arrogance here. I'm talking about a quiet confidence, a grounded confidence in who you are and being okay that there is nobody else in over the 7 billion people in the world quite like you standing in that power and stop trying to be a clone of somebody else, of somebody that the word told the world told you that you should emulate, that you should be like you need to be before the face of God, understanding who you are, who He created you to be. And I'm asking you to show up fully you. If nobody appreciates it but you and God, show up fully you and just shine. That's all the light does. When you flip the switch in your in your house, the light bulb doesn't think, oh. I need to shine right now. No, it just shines. So just shine. It ain't that hard. You already know. I don't care if you know. I don't care if you've been saved one minute or one day. And if you only know one scripture, you have enough to shine because you have the son of the living God living on the inside of you. I can't stress that enough because we get so caught up in trying to be something that we're not or trying so hard to be holy. Let me free you this morning. You can never be more holy than the Holy Spirit makes you. So all you have to be to do is to be, be available, be open, be listening, be acting on what he tells you to do. Just be, stop working so hard 
trying to clean up something that you cannot clean up. You do not have the power to clean up your own life. You do not have the power to clean up anybody else's life. The Holy Spirit's job is to clean you. And is he, if he cleans you an inch, then you walk in that inch until he cleans you the next inch. Stop being so uptight about yourself. That is just the focus on you. You have a heart for God. I declare it right now that you have a heart for God. And even though your behavior is not perfect, he is perfecting everything that concerns you. So focus on him and not on yourself. And then the rest of the scripture that, that was read in our hearing this morning says that you're like a city that's set on a hill. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about all the flights that I have been on in my lifetime. And sometimes I've flown in the daytime and sometimes I've flown at night. And when you fly into a city at night and the downtown is lit up, you can't miss it if you want it to. And so that's what the Bible is saying about you. He's saying that you are prominent, that you cannot be hidden, but you can choose to hide yourself. And so I'm saying to you, be bold, be prominent. Be who you are. Be God's chosen one and don't hide and don't let anybody stop your shine. Don't you even stop your shine. You keep your eyes on Jesus because God is saying in these scriptures today that he wants you to be visible. He don't want you to be arrogant. He doesn't want you to have an ego, but he wants you to be visible. And instead of walking in that truth, you cower back because somebody told you you were not smart enough or you didn't have enough education or you were not skinny enough or you were not big enough or you were not shapely enough or cute enough or your hair wasn't long enough. Whatever the enoughs are, you believe them. And now instead of being a prominent light, you put your own self under a basket and I'm telling you to take yourself out from under the basket tonight, that you are a city on a hill. You're supposed to be seen, but when people look at you, they shouldn't see you. When they are, when all men put their eyes up on you, they shouldn't see you. They should see God. And that's how the verses that were read in our hearing today end. They end by telling us when people see you, they should automatically start giving God glory. Because you know it's not you. You know you can't do good works without the Father living on the inside of you. So it's not even about shining so that people can give you praise. It's about shining by doing good works, the Bible says, so that others will see it and they will glorify God. It's not about getting attention for yourself. And sometimes when I see people in the body of Christ and they won't respond if you don't call them prophet this or evangelist this or pastor this or whatever titles we use, doctor this or reverend this, some people will not even respond. And that is a person that needs to understand the purpose of the shine. The purpose of the shine is not to bring glory to me or my titles. The purpose of the shine is to bring glory to God. So we shine and we shine bright. And the darker it gets, the brighter we shine because we are trying to bring 
God glory. And if the world is sick and if it is dark, it is an opportunity for you to shine. And so what do you mean? What do you mean, Sister Vicki, when you say we need to shine? What does that look like in practical terms? What does it look like in practical terms? At the bottom of it is very basic. Two things you need to do to shine. The one is you got to know the word. And I'm not saying be obsessed about it where two hours a day, every day, you just script it out like it's a check box. No, I'm saying being led by the word of God. If you read one verse a day, and I know we all got time to read one verse a day. If you read one verse a day, my mom encourages people to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. And if you do that one chapter every day for the rest of your life, you never get to any other scripture you will be able to shine bright. But I say be led by the Holy Spirit. If he tells you to read five minutes one day and five hours the next and stay before his face, do that. You cannot shine except that you know that you're supposed to and what that is supposed to mean. So the first thing to shine is just two, two. I'm not going to even make the list long. Two, read the word, study the word, know the word. That's number one. You have to Know the word because it is the word that regenerates the way that you think. It's the word that transforms. It's the word that prevents you from being conformed to this world. So it's the word that will show you that Jesus loves sinners. He didn't run from them. He didn't condemn them. Most of the time, Jesus gave them information and he told them to go and sin no more. You know why he could do that? Because he had introduced them to the power that was necessary for them to go and sin no more. But this is what we do in the modern day church. We run up on a sinner. We tell them, go and don't sleep with nobody no more. Go and don't steal no more. Go and don't lie no more. Go and don't drink anymore. That's, we, we start giving them a litany of rules. And Jesus said, just go and sin no more. Because in the word of God, it says, if you know to do the right thing, and you do not do it, that is sin. That's the definition of sin. So I want you to think about all the ways that you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, all of it. It's more than fornication and adultery. It's more than lying and stealing and overindulging and getting drunk. It's more than that. Think about all the ways that you can know to do good and you don't do it. The Bible says that that's sin. And so God would often say, through Jesus, go and sin no more. Why? Because I've given you what you need to be able to fulfill that mission. And as the Holy Spirit cleans you up more and more and more, you'll stop doing these things that people are concerned about. God is concerned about the inward you. Because sometimes we're so caught up in behaviors and, and it really does have a strong pull on us. And I know I'm not the only one that's been there. I have literally been in the middle of something that I knew did not please God, and I'm warring on the inside while I am doing it. Tears coming down my face when I just finished it. So sometimes people are doing things that they know they shouldn't be doing, but they don't yet have the power to stop doing it. So stop doing people like that. Stop pointing out the deficits in their behavior and spend your time shining. Spend your time introducing them to Jesus Christ because if you don't introduce them to Jesus Christ, you, they're never going to be able to be free from those things that bug you, that worry you, that offend you. They're never going to be free. So how do we shine? I go back to 
you got to know the word of God. Jesus is the word. You have to look to him as the model of how to be with other people. And then the second thing, and this is probably harder for more people than you all really realize. The second thing is to be authentically you. And some of y'all have been trying so long to be somebody else that you don't even know who you are anymore. But when God created you by his own hand, he had a specific purpose for your body type, for your personality, for your skin color, your hair, the way you see the world. He had a specific purpose for that. But because you didn't appreciate it, you spent the majority of your life trying to be something that you will never be. So stop being an imitated, changed version of yourself and spend time before God finding out who you are, who he created you to be. And I am going to say to you right now, you will never run into another person like you. So you don't need validation. You need God. And so those are the two keys, the two basic requirements to let your life shine. Know God and know yourself. And when you get to that place, you can declare with boldness that ain't nobody stopping my shine, not even me. And that is the word for you today.